0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David
1: Moses. and Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. Weather is changing quite a bit, and that has created some interest for some artists to create an exhibit about weather amnesia. And that is something that my guest here in the studio is going to be talking to me about today. I'd like to welcome Yulua Wei to the studio. And Yulua is, uh, is a curatorial student at the University of Toronto. I'd like to get her to talk about that a little bit in a couple of minutes. But before I do, um, Yulua Wei entered the MVS Church. Curatorial Studies program at the University of Toronto with an economics and business background. Interesting. Her passion for contemporary art stems from her work at the Robert Landon Art Gallery at Wilfrid Laurier University. The encounter with an abundance of artistic resources and the strong humanities focus on campus drew her into the to pursuing curatorial study. Now, Yulula was the youth advisor to the Board of Directors of Art Awards in Waterloo Region in 2017, and she has been a writer and translator for the Chinese China Central Academy of Fine Arts since 2018. She's assisted in curating the Chinese Contemporary Art Exhibition Emergence with emerging young artists and is currently collaborating with the Jackman Humanity Institute for its annual exhibition, Strange Weather, and that's what we're going to be talking about, And in her research, she is interested in overlooked narratives embedded in myths, legends, and fairy tales in a cross-cultural context. She is the 2019 recipient of the Risa Greenberg Curatorial Studies Award at the University of Toronto. Congratulations and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. That sounds an amazing resume. Who is she?
1: (laughs) Well, if you don't know, I can't help you with that. Listen, it's great having you here, and it's great uh, for this subject about this uh, weather amnesia, strange weather kind of a focus. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about how how that came about?
0: Um, the So the strange weather, this annual theme is made by the Jackman Humanities Institute uh, Committee. So mm-hmm. they came up with the annual theme every year. Uh, and we, as MVS students, every year we one of us uh, is selected for for this exhibition, uh, corresponding the annual thing. So that's uh, how we approach to this project. And uh, based on the annual theme, we can do our own um, uh, brainstorm and to go any way that we want. Uh, but for me, I selected, uh, I chose the climate change as mm. the Topic to discuss because it's quite um, something up to date.
1: Mm. It, it seems to me that we we've kind of surpassed the climate change point of things. It's more of a crisis, I believe, it, that we're in at this point in time. Now, I believe there's also what ten artists, that, uh, are ten artists participating in this.
0: Yeah. Um, but um, more or less two of them, Lisa Hermer and uh, Tanya Kitchell, mm-hmm. they're contemporary artists uh, involved in this exhibition. But the eight others, uh, they're sort of in- embedded in our permanent collections. Okay. So they they have their spirit mm-hmm. uh, alive for mm-hmm. the exhibition.
1: So climate change as uh, as a subject and, and, and strange weather... Um, what was it you were hoping that you, you could bring to this?
0: Yeah, um, when I did my brain, brainstorm with Barbara over mm-hmm. the summer, oh God, we started a long time ago. <laughs> so over the summer, I, I was wondering uh, what kind of approaches that we can make to make the climate change or the climate crisis um, more profounding and more visualized To all the audience, Um, so so we we said it might be a good idea to see if there if there's any visualized observations about climate change, uh, if there's any causes, any interest solutions to climate change as well. Um, So based on these several branches, uh, we went out to do more research about. Uh, the past and current status uh, status on climate um, crisis or change uh, in terms of what kind of landscape paintings we can use, what kind of uh, sculpture, what kind of photography that we can uh, make use of for the exhibition. To put them together and uh, give them the dialogue between past and current and between science and art, um, between imagination and the reality Those kind of things.
1: Mm. Um, That sounds very interesting, of course. Um, And you had an opening for this about a week ago now. Uh, How long does the the exhibit run for and and where can people see it?
0: Um, It runs a whole year for a whole year until 2020 in June, Mm. late June, yeah.
1: And th- that so, will be at the Jackman? Yep, yeah, that's
0: yeah. the 10th floor of Jackman Humanity Building. That's just next to the Badashu Museum. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's free and open to the public.
1: Right. Yeah. 9 to 4? 9 to 4. Nine nine to to s- four. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, uh, so what will people see when they go to this exhibit?
0: They will see what they want to see. <laughs> 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 um, so for... For this exhibition, uh, I think the whole idea is when the strangeness becoming the new normal, mm. because right now everybody keeps saying, oh, it's a strange weather today. Mm-hmm. So starting from that point, when they become the new normal, the exhibition, uh, I I wanted to make us wonder and think about what kind of future awaits us. So when audience uh, enter the the 10th floor out of the elevator, the first thing they will see is the reception desk. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> 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 and when they turn their two wings on the left side mm. and right side, mm-hmm. on the right side, there's uh, contemporary sculptures mm-hmm. of uh, aliens, plants. Mm. They're all white and, bl- and, white and black. Mm. Uh, they're made by uh, Tanya Kichel. She's mm. a Toronto based artist and a teacher. Um, so she made those plants by three D printing and ABS plastic.
1: Mm.
0: Um, so all the plants or floras, um, they are they are real, but uh, but but it's manipulated by ratio uh, and the colors. So 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 they become invasive and aliens to most of people. You might recognize some of the parts of the plants. Mm. Uh, it's like it's a wood rush. Actually it's not because the ratios are uh, are detected um, so so the point for that uh, from my understanding is to make uh, people really think about the 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 um, the climate change on the flo- uh, on the plants on the trees on the on the species, but that's non-human mm. uh, and look at the forms especially because they're all black and white, white. Mm-hmm. so the color perspective is omitted um, and that's very beautiful as well mm-hmm. it's on the shelf uh, and uh, next to that is uh, observation text about the, the the day the broadcast like mm-hmm. uh, like it's 12 40 a.m mm-hmm. p.m sorry 12, 12, 48 p.m. And what's the humidity, uh, which direction she's facing, mm. the temperature, the wave, the mm. the, the the wind, everything. Wow. Yeah, it's just to immerse. Now,
1: just go back for a second? You said they're real. Does that mean they're living?
0: No, sorry. I mean, the plants, yes. the species, oh, they're okay, real. Okay, yes. But they're plastic yes. in the sh- on the shelf. Right, right, right. Yes.
1: Okay, I thought, wow. Very <laughs> if it's real, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to
0: water it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but,
1: but, you know, it, it is, uh, as you say, the weather is changing. It's unpredictable uh, and less predictable. Uh, the other thing about, you know, if we go into the science side of things, we keep hearing about the scientists who are now have been telling us about this for a long time. Yeah. And now the dates that they've been giving us seem to be changing rapidly as well. They, mm-hmm. they no longer seem to be able to, uh, to predict with certainty when these things are going to happen because it seems that, that they're compounding yeah. and they're happening faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you were brainstorming this, um, did all of that kind of stuff you know, figure into, these, into the work?
0: That's a good question. I really wanted to have some touch on scientific uh, mm. factors too, mm. and 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 over the summer I was wondering what uh, what kind of scientists that I can borrow mm. for the exhibition. So I went to a bunch of uh, departments at the U of T, like the the engineering, um, environmental studies, um, chemistry, physics, etc. Mm. And I, and I I got some positive responses too. Um, one faculty that's that is very close to my fa- faculty or uh, department daniels um, is the forestry uh, a department of forestry uh, mm-hmm. they are now a part of Daniels too but uh, by then uh they have their um admi- administrative office and over the summer there's no professors that was fine so I went there there's an internship <laughs> there's an the intern uh, person uh, sitting there in front of computer and uh, uh, looks bored, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I approached him and asking my questions. Like I, I'm the curator of this exhibition, I really want some scientific uh, fact to, to to add the, the texture. Um, and uh, he he told me that's a very interesting topic, and uh, and, uh, and and he told me some fun um, fun facts mm-hmm. about climate change mm-hmm. and and the improvements. From their department that uh, are are trying to do, including the mass timber that they are really um, are promoting. So mass timber is a mass timber. Mm. Um, so it's it's a new material, 100% wood, um, mm. y- are currently used for the const- uh, construction and, uh, and the industrial design fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So this kind of material um, is 100% wood, and it's, so it's totally natural. They don't even have any metal or nail uh, sticking them together. Wow. So they just use woods as knots mm. to combine mm. them together. Mm. Uh, and, then, and it's quite strong, but as well as um, light. Mm. So they're lighter to concrete, and the more environmentally friendly uh, because, because you know, as what they have their um, body to contain uh, the carbon oxygen. So it's it's one good way or one good solution to the climate change. Mm. So that thing, because I was out of the field, I was n- like out of mind to see this is real happening and this Quite cute, mm-hmm. actually. When mm-hmm. I see the display, um, so I asked him if it's possible that I can borrow right, the, right. the display because <laughs> they, they look like Legos, okay, uh, yeah, lots yeah, of cubes, yeah. and I thought it might be a fun mm-hmm. thing to put mm-hmm. them at the table for audience to play with them, right? And also with a label yep. to educate people right. <laughs> what yes. they are. Yes. Um, but eventually, this this project, this idea, doesn't happen uh, because. They don't have extra display, uh, and yes. they have to keep them there right. for other right. audience. But uh, they, uh, they helped me. Uh, they are the Mass timber Institute uh-huh. at the U of T, and, and the ex- executive director, mm-hmm. <laughs> Coven uh helped me to approach their suppliers of Mass Timber. Um, mass timber is like um, the first Mass Timber supplier was in Austria, in Europe. They don't even have any forests, by the way, (laughs) but (laughs) they start from there. Uh, But now, because North America, especially Canada, has Mm. lots of forests, Mm. um, so there are some big suppliers in Canada. And uh, so Anne helped me to approach several of them, and two of them give us positive responses, and they are happy to um, ship some samples or... Or was to us, mm. and we can play with them. Right. So right now at the JHI, uh, there's one plank uh-huh. uh, for the roof structure. Okay. It's is playing. Uh, it's is sitting in the meeting room, mm. and there's another model uh, cut out of the mass timber, and we made it into the Jack Humanity Building, uh, like a like a real building, model? a model, right? yeah, yeah uh, on the table.
1: Uh. Well, it sounds like your your thoughts, your questions that you started to ask and look for answers about getting some science led you down some paths that you didn't necessarily think you were going to find.
0: Yeah, I think that's the real uh, truth or, or joy about being a curator because mm. you have ideas mm. and reality is reality. It doesn't ensure that you can do whatever you really want and bring them back to your exhibition. Mm. But alternatively, there are some extra opportunities Go through that direction, and you think it might be, you know, another better idea sometimes that we can use it as well. Mm. So, I I think I really enjoy this process.
1: So, you're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest right now is Lua Wei. Yeah, and she is a uh, curatorial student at the University of Toronto. We're talking about uh, an exhibition. Um, at the uh, Jackman Humanities Institute that uh, she is part of and uh, strange weather and uh, weather amnesia uh, uh, is, 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 is what this is about. And you've heard her talking about this exhibit, which is on and runs for the year at the Jackman Humanities Institute on the 10th floor. And uh, people can, can go there uh, daily, Monday, like Friday, I'm guessing, from 9 to 4 to, to see Correct. this exhibit. I'd like to talk a little bit about your curatorial interests. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, I really didn't realize there was, in fact, a curatorial um, program. Uh, you know, <laughs> that people could go in and study. So, how, how did you how did you decide you were interested, and in what does it mean to to study this, and where will it lead you?
0: Wow. Okay, I'd love to answer that question. <laughs> um, so when I was an undergraduate student uh, at the Welfare Laureate University, mm-hmm. I studying uh, business and economics. Mm. And the reason why I study it is not because I, I enjoyed it. Mm. It's just because like every Chinese international students are doing it. Mm. And when I, when I go out uh, and in my background, the, the, the city where I grew up, uh, doesn't really have this um, artistic or curatorial environment mm. for me to, to have the opportunity to see, okay, th- there's an option that mm. I may be able to choose. So I didn't have that option. How could I know I can do sure. that, right? Okay. So when I came to the Wilford Law University, um, by my third year, they just uh, opened a gallery on campus in the library. And they were ha- they were they were hiring uh, student assistant for the curatorial projects, and uh, because we don't have any fine arts department, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got selected. Okay. Because there's no competition. <laughs> 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 uh, so I got the job, uh, and Suzanne Luck was. Was my uh, supervisor. She's a curator of mm. that uh, Rubberland Art Gallery. Mm. She still is. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks to her, I really appreciate how much knowledge uh, she shared with me. Um, and uh, she told me many like um, key points of of um, how to become a good, good curator. Mm-hmm. And I I did learn a lot uh, through all the you know public programming opening. Uh, speeches speeches, artist talks that kind of thing, but by then, I was very interested in the uh, in those projects uh, because they looked very interesting and uh, I learned a lot cause, and I thought it might be a good uh, direction for me to go because I don't want to sit in front of a computer uh, dealing with data and money mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. uh, they're not my money <laughs> uh, so so I chose uh, so by then I met Ron Banner, uh, he's a London-based artist, mm-hmm. um, and um, he, I was helping him uh, sit, uh, installing his his exhibition, uh, the whole table and the uh, labels on the wall. It's a big installation, so I was helping him, and uh, I I went. When some day uh, he went out for smoking, <laughs> I I followed him and asked. Uh, so for my for someone like me in this situation, uh, who don't have any artistic background yeah. and wants to go to this approach, what okay. kind of uh, what kind of study or program I can do? And uh, he asked, Do you know Barbara Fisher? <laughs> 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 and I said, No, I don't <laughs> uh, and he, he introduced me to this uh, mm. program, curatorial mm. studies at the U of T. Mm. By that time I thought it's a nightclub thing, not like a night study, <laughs> night, night school. Oh, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> I thought that was not night school. Yeah. Uh, and I, I because that's for like continuous mm-hmm. education. Yeah, yeah. Um because I was totally out of this field. I yeah. don't know how great right. this program was. Right. So I looked into the website and mm. to see the applic- application requirements. Mm-hmm. And uh, they require a portfolio, mm. which I don't know, which I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow.
0: And they okay. need 20 photos. Wow! Uh, I don't have
1: mm. any of them. Right. But,
0: but, but that conversation really triggered me mm. um, to see if I can try and sure. push myself sure. to this program. And so after I graduated, I started to do my portfolio. I mean, I learned what portfolio mm-hmm. was and uh, create them and uh, made my writing sample ready, everything ready, and, uh, you know, wrap mm-hmm. them up, send mm-hmm. to the U of T. And by February, I got the offer. That was like my best day of my life <laughs> ever. Because I, I, by the time I saw, I saw the, you know, the email, um please uh, we have made the decision on your application please read blah, blah 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 on the website there's no decision telling me on the uh, uh in the email mm. and i was i was like okay is it yes or no <laughs> and uh, and i uh, <laughs> and after one second there's another email pumping in to say the f- the f- uh the funding package oh yeah no okay that that means I got it, <laughs> so I went to the website nice. yeah. with my heart bumping. Mm-hmm. But by that by that time, when I, when I read the offer, I couldn't recognize any words in English. You mm. know, you know that, so that feeling, yeah. Mm. I couldn't recognize. I'm too the excited. Words. I can't read. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was story how <laughs> I entered this program.
1: Well, that's uh, what a great story. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> It's yes. very beautiful. Thank you. Um, and congratulations.
0: Thank you, thank you. Congratulations to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, really, for sure. And so, w- w- what do you what do you hope? Where do you hope to to go with this? I mean, already you've 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 done some things, right? Yeah. You've you've started to work with your own your own country, right? In in translation, and, mm-hmm. and it's opened some doors for you in that regard already.
0: Yeah, um, I think I for now because there are lots of options for curators. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but for now, I think uh, I really want to try to become an independent curator um, and um, and uh, to do some studio, uh, studio assistance work because that really helps uh, to build up the knowledge of arts uh, as a curator, you know, mm-hmm. to see what kind of artworks in different mediums can be created. And I really need to know how they work work them out. Um, so, so for, and, and for the independent curating part, um, I want to try to see if I am able or capable of um, bridging the, the, the Chinese contemporary art and the Canadian art uh, in some way to have the dialogue between each other and to introduce, you know, either ways to the other country. Um, and um, I think that's a very meaningful thing to do, and that makes me feel like I'm, I'm alive.
1: Mm. You know, uh, it's one thing to be an artist. Um, I think that because you have a background also, though, that you mentioned in business and mm-hmm. economics, yeah. that doesn't hurt what you're doing. I think it only adds to what you're doing, right? Because those things come in handy to have. Mm-hmm. Yes?
0: Yeah, because eventually everything adds up. I, yes. I learned that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and so uh, you know, uh, I think though that um, the role of a, of a curator, uh, you have to be able to speak, and and I use this this word languages, mm-hmm. in, in a sense that you have to be able to speak the language of the artist, but you also have to speak the language of of the business side of things, and yes. be able to look at those things. So it does take a certain kind of person to be able to pull all this stuff together. I think you you've you've it sounds like you've certainly got a lot of the talents needed for for doing this, Oh, and thank you. Um, yeah, and so congratulations to to all of that. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think is important to mention?
0: There are some good stories, but they're bad news. Oh, <laughs> so maybe not.
1: Are they weather related?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, one point for this exhibition over the summer. Um, we were proposing if it's possible to use the balcony of mm. of the mm. institute because mm. they're on the top floor, sure. and they have amazing view uh, over that uh, balcony. Yep. So we proposed a performance um, uh. to them and um, and we thought we got approved, but uh, but early, like in August. Um The building manager told us it's not allowed to use a balcony for this kind of function ah. so eventually we didn't do anything uh, on the balcony but but it's a big pity for m- for us because it's about weather mm. uh stuff and the balcony is a real good bridge mm-hmm. you know, to to bring people to mm-hmm. the real nature um. Well. So
1: it was a great idea, and sometimes these things don't work out because yeah. of those uh, but people can still see the weather looking out through the windows, i guess, at, towards the balcony, and you know, can always walk out on the balcony, experience the weather that is happening <laughs> uh e eoo's
0: like the music <laughs> <laughs> yeah iuluo. uh
1: it's been a, it's been a real pleasure having you here today and Thank speaking you. to you. And I really enjoyed uh, hearing your story, and I congratulate you, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank and you hopefully, so much, we can David. have you back on again.
0: Yeah, we have another theater exhibition coming soon.
1: Well, make sure to stay in touch, and we'd love to have you back on the show. Gotcha. Uh, I would say nyawa migwechu wenishi and thank you. How do you say thank you in your language? Xie xie, xie xie, xie xie. Well, xie xie. Appreciate you coming on the show today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, David.
1: Thank you. Welcome back to Element FM and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa. And as I say, welcome back to the show. My guest in the second part of the program is a, a young man, and his name is Theland Kiknoswe, if I have that correct. Yep. And Theland is a, uh, a, a member of the Wolf Clan from the Potawatomi Nation, a Cree Nation from Walpole Island. And that is uh, sort of down towards Sarnia area mm. uh, in Ontario. But he now lives in Ottawa, I believe. Yes. Goes to school there. Yes, sir. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that. But before we get there, uh, the reason why Theland is with us today is because he recently took part in WE Day in Toronto. Now, many of us know about WE Day. It's uh, a very well-known international event and who uh, actually was uh, was in there with a lineup of very, very accomplished people. Uh, Thieland, so what was it like for you to take part in, in WE Day?
2: It was so amazing. I had an absolute fantastic experience there. You know, just everyone that's working for WE Day and everyone around the whole WE movement, mm. uh, they're all so positive. And, you know, I think that's what really, like, that's what really intrigues me when I go to these events, right? especially for we you know just being in that positive environment where all those people all those change makers influential people are there to share their story to all the amazing young children that come out from their schools to participate mm-hmm. in we day you know just um you know being you know one of the the artists and performers amongst that huge and you know amazing lineup you know it it feels so good because you know i'm just uh I'm representing my people, you know, my indigenous people, and to me, you know I take this as a win for indigenous people, you know Absolutely. we're getting our voices heard and you know through song and dance, and you know it's 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 awesome, so
1: yeah, congratulations you and um and by the way, uh you were mentioning some of these people, and the whole point of We Day is to inspire right inspire youth mm-hmm. and so it's great that you you were able to be part of that along with people like. Sarah McLaughlin was there. uh, David Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, Who else? A couple of other people that you might want to mention.
2: Yeah, there was uh, Johnny Orlando, Mm. um, Scott Hellman, and also other Indigenous people. There was Pam Pam Palmater. There was, um, let's see, Serene Fox was there. Really awesome person. Uh, Raina Foster. um, Just there are so many cool people. And actually, backstage, I met the young, the world's youngest uh, pilot. Wow, he's 14 years old. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. He's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: so it sounds obviously like you were inspired by this as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, being able to be on that stage and to share my own story and mm. my my culture with everyone, mm. and then also to see other people that I look to, look look up to, mm-hmm. right? Seeing them is is so beautiful because it shows like the the different generations that are like, whoa, I I look up to this person. But then this person has role models who are also there, too. And, you know, just seeing that chain and that link between all of us, you know, how we all come together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, I think we're really one big family.
1: It's interesting how you describe it as a chain and uh, one big family. Uh, Speaking of which, you know, to some degree, I hope you don't mind me saying this, the fact that you were there and taking part, uh, you are part of that Part of the group of people that people look to now, you're you're one of the people that are inspiring others. Mm. Um, so it continues that chain, right? So, um, I'd like to know though, um, how did you get to this point? Because you were there because you have accomplished some things. Mm. And I I imagine that is partly in in the thing we introduced you as, as a hoop dancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So tell us, how did you get into hoop dancing? When when did you get started?
2: Yeah, so I was four years old when I first seen the hoop dance. It was from this uh, three-time world champion hoop dancer. His name is Dallas Arcand. And uh, I was watching him at the museum in Ottawa. And I looked to my mom and said, I want to be a hoop dancer. (laughs) You know, when I was watching his Mm. whole performance, Mm. I could not sit down. I was just in awe. At least that's what my mom says. Mm. And um, so we had to go to different uh, hoop dancers in the community. And we said, I want to hoop dance. Mm. And they helped, you know, along my journey of becoming a hoop dancer, different lessons. You know, that must be kind of tough to have to take on a five-year-old and, you know, teach them. You know, I know for me, I don't think I was probably the best. I was probably a little uh, uncoordinated (laughs) and whatever, but you know i kept on pushing forward and you know i think every time you pick up a hoop you keep on getting better you know it's muscle memory mm. right and um i know you know doing this hoop dance it's it's brought me everywhere it's brought me all over the world and i'm i'm just so happy that i've been able to take part in the places that i've been uh, able to go to and to you know share my story
1: mm. Now you 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 said you know you might not have been very good when you first started, but of course we all start somewhere, mm-hmm. and it is because we have people that want to take us on and teach mm-hmm. us that mm-hmm. uh, we do have people that continue on yeah. in the things that that much like you did when you saw this other person performing. Yeah, I want to do that too. Yeah. So now you've opened that door. I'd like to to share a little bit more about this, if you don't mind, because. I don't think people understand the amount of work and the training that is involved with this. Mm. It it can't be easy, and I'm sure that it is just as strenuous as any other fine art that is learned uh, in terms of dancing, perhaps uh, uh, even ballet, you know. Uh, What can you tell us about what what are the kind of training things that you had to go through?
2: I know uh, personally, definitely, I have to keep my body in good physical health. So I try to run every day even if it's just for five kilometers or, you know, just going out for a quick 30-minute run, mm-hmm. you know, just to stay physically active and, you know, that I'm in good shape to perform these dances and, um, you know, just keep on practicing all the time, right? I try to pick up a hoop at least once a day and play around with it for 30 minutes, maybe work on new moves. And I heard this quote um, a little while back, but it's um, it said that you always hear that practice makes perfect, mm. but if you're perfect there's no room to improve <laughs> so it's practice makes better mm-hmm. right so True then it, you know they say the sky's the limit mm. but how come we've have people who've walked on the moon right <laughs> so
1: right so so uh, i appreciate you you saying that and sharing it but now uh you're also a grass dancer mm-hmm. yeah so what, which came first
2: um i think they kind of both came at the same time actually yeah. I was about 5 when I started doing like dancing the mm-hmm. the hoop dance mm-hmm. and that same summer I started grass dancing also. And um I was actually uh I was following this grass dancer at this one powwow uh the whole time. My mom says I was uh I was basically like stop, like I was right behind him, you know, like their shadow. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And uh it was just this little 5-year-old kid who wanted to dance this style and just like how just like the hoops you know we went mm-hmm. to different community members who helped make our our, our my, my outfit yeah. and um, my regalia mm-hmm. and to this day I keep on uh, dancing the hoops that, the hoop uh, sorry the hoop dance and the grass dance and I, I really enjoy it.
1: So for people that don't know uh, one what a grass dancer is and what they do and what their importance is, is uh, and also uh, can you tell us about hoop dancing? What is the what is the importance of hoop dancing?
2: Uh, okay, so I'll start with the grass then. Sure. Um, the grass dance is originally from the Plains Territory, and what they would do is the grass dancers would go out to these uh, fields where the grass was very high. And what the grass dancer's job is to do is to pat down the grass so we could have our gatherings and our powwows and our social meetings. And... You know the grass dancer is meant to go out there before any of this happens to go um you know kind of check the area and scope out where we're yeah. gonna hold our gatherings, yeah, so prepare it, yeah, that's the grass dance, yeah, and the hoop dance it's- it's originally from the Hopi nation down in Arizona, and the hoop dancers would um they would uh it's a storytelling dance, so what they would do is they would try to illustrate different Uh, shapes and creatures of nature and so through the hoops you may be able to see you know flower an eagle a hawk right um and originally they were made from red willow they were Mm. bent tied Mm. and dyed Mm -hmm. to fit the hoop dancers liking and um some of the original hoops i've heard have um sorry they have different carvings in them to um, show Mm. that this hoop was specific to this uh hoop dancer
1: right
2: and um yeah, so I've been dancing both of those styles for about 11, 12 years now. And um, I've had a lot of fun with them and, you know, going to powwows and sharing my dance style with many people across
1: mm-hmm. uh, Turtle Island. It's, uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, Thielen, how long did it take before you were ready to, uh, to bring your, your hoop dancing to the public? Like, you know, I, I mean, at powwows, you always see the young ones going out there. They're going to have a, gra- you know, a hoop dance and mm-hmm. they come out and they, they kind of do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, how long did you practice for before you were ready to, to do that?
2: I don't think I really had that much of a uh, practice time. Mm. We uh, we got the hoops and we made them. We made a regalia thanks to my uh, Auntie Rhonda mm. in, in Ottawa. And um, we... We, we made my outfit, made the hoops, and basically just said, you know what? I think I'm think I'm ready. You know, we got down a couple of the basic moves, basic mm. steps, and they said, just listen to the drum mm-hmm. and let the dance take you away. Mm. And we actually have, like, early pictures of when I, w- I started hoop dancing. And um, actually, before we even got my reg- regalia made, I was already out there at some of the traditional powwows. Right. And I was just in sweatpants and a handkerchief. Uh-huh. And um, I, I, I was just so happy and excited to share this new dance style that I, I took upon myself to everyone. And, you know, I just said, you know what, I just want to spread the happiness.
1: That's cool. Now, you, you said something that I thought was interesting about the hoops. You said we made the hoops. Now, uh, you know, in this day and age, uh, you said originally, I think they were Willow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I imagine now technology has changed. And, yeah. and uh, what are they made of now? What do you use?
2: Now we uh, have to give thanks to Canadian Tire and Home Depot. <laughs> uh, they have, uh, they have, they have uh, plumber's tubing. Right. That's what the, uh, the hoops are made of. They're made of plumber's tubing. And then we just, uh, instead of carving in our own shapes and designs and whatever, mm-hmm. we use tape now to mm. illustrate our colors and share our, our, our brightness and happiness to the world.
1: Now, now, saying brightness and happiness. Uh, of course, the other thing that you've done, and I've seen uh, some other people do this as well, and that is the incorporating LEDs into the into mm-hmm. them, which is pretty cool. It looks pretty spectacular to see yeah. that happen. Yeah. So, yeah. when did you decide to start incorporating that, and how did that affect you in any way in terms of the performance? I'm, for instance do they turn down the lights, uh, or, you know, or if you're doing an evening performance and stuff, does that, does that at all, uh, a, a challenge or, or, a, a concern for you? Because, you know, in order to see your feet, footing or to see, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So for me, um, you know, just the original hoops, you know, I was, uh, I, I danced with the original hoops, like the, uh, the plumber's tubing hoops for, uh, I, I still dance with them. Right. Um, for a while now and uh i i said to my mom when i was about nine i think or seven and um i said you know what i think people need to see all the colors they need mm. to see the rainbow mm. and so a couple of years down the line we get uh tags from different people saying here check these hoops out mm. there are glow-in-the-dark led hoops and mm. I was just mesmerized by them. It was so cool, like the way they could, you know, make them look like they were spinning. And it was it was so beautiful because they were fluorescent. They were LED and they they caught so many people's eyes. Mm. They caught mine. And I was like, mm. I want to get some of those. Mm. And my mom was like, we found the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And so we ordered these hoops from the, a company in Florida called Mood Hoops. Mm-hmm. And we said, uh, you know, we're going to try these out, see what we think of them and hopefully people will like it. Mm. And so I remember getting them in the mail, you know, taking all the package off, opening up these uh these hoops and just seeing so much so much color, so much so much brightness, right? Mm. And you know, being able to share the rainbow yeah. with everyone, you know? I think everyone's included. Everyone should be included, right? We we're, we're all we're all allowed to you know, dance in the circle mm. as as we say, and you know just being able to share my way of um how contemporary youth share our 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 circle you know mm. I think um through these hoops they've they've taken me so many places, and I'm just honored and privileged to have had the honor to share this dance style with so many different people.
1: Nice. Yeah. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Theland Gignaswe. He is a uh, Cree singer, grass dancer, hoop dancer, and uh, we've been talking to him. He was uh, recently at the We Day in Toronto, taking part in that as a performer. And... Celand, one of the other things you said is this, this has taken you to many places. Where might people have seen you in the past, in the last few years, uh, performing?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, with these LED hoops and just with hoops in general, I've gone all over my own community in Ottawa. I've been able to travel to Toronto, Montreal, different places all across Ontario and Quebec. And then now it's getting a lot bigger where I'm traveling around Turtle Island, you know, Canada, Mm -hmm. and being able to share um, the gift that I was given of this hoop dance. And um, even now with these LED hoops, they've brought me even more opportunities to go to different places like Mexico and Geneva, Switzerland. And uh, even down in the States, we've been down there to share this style of dance. And those are just some of the places that we've been. And now on this Wee Day tour, we have the opportunity to travel all across Canada to now share this LED hoop dance with so many thousands of more people.
1: Oh, so this—you're actually on the tu- on the tour with We Day. You're actually going to more than one city. Yeah, so Very we'll cool. be touring in six cities, I believe. Nice. So, so where else
2: will you be going? All of, uh, all the way from coast to coast. Um, Halifax. Um, we got Ottawa. We just did Toronto mm. uh, last week, mm. and then. We also did, let's see. You said Ottawa? When's Ottawa? Ottawa, I think that's in December, I believe. Okay. Ottawa's in December. And then we're doing Vancouver, Winnipeg,
1: and Edmonton, I think. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. Now, of <laughs> course, you're, you're involved with some other things that I think is worth mentioning. And uh, uh, one of them is, you mentioned running, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go out and keep yourself in shape running. Now, you are involved with this Families and Sisters in Spirit, 134 kilometer per run, raising awareness of the... Children Left Behind of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Yeah. What can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. um, So I was about nine years old, and my mom and I were on the side of the highway at um, Shawanaga First Nations, Mm. and we were picking up garbage on Earth Day. Mm. And out of the blue, I asked my mom, where do the children of the missing and murdered Indigenous women go? And she said she, she didn't have an answer. So we had to go to different trusted family members in our community. And uh, one of them was my auntie, Bridget Tully, And she is the co-founder of Families of Sisters in Spirit, which is a um, a grassroots organization that helps families and, and uh, the families of the victims of uh, MMIW. And I, I remember asking her, you know, being a child, you know, your mother was, was struck by the SQ, which is the police in Quebec, mm. you know. Um, how, how, how do you keep going? You know, what are you doing to keep on moving forward? And she said that, that's it. I just have to keep on moving forward. Mm. You know, with this organization, it's brought so many, uh, so many people more, more trust and more, more love because we have to know that we're not alone. You know, we're not the only ones, right? Um, we've all been affected, uh, from someone either, um, Uh, going lost or who has been uh, murdered and I think you know just being able to spread the message through running right bringing awareness through running that you know as a young indigenous man I am not going to harm indigenous women Mm. because if I can start that hopefully the next generations will look onto that and say you know what, I'm gonna do the same
1: Mm it's a run it's a mm-hmm. yeah tell us more about that
2: yeah so it's not really a race mm-hmm. so um basically what we do is um for the last um, i would say 6 years ago we we started our first annual run for mmiw and the original thought was to run across canada mm. and um, my mom was like you know canada's too big for a 9 year old <laughs> so we said okay well then why don't why don't we run across ontario mm. right well, I didn't realize Ontario was the biggest <laughs> province in Canada. And then I said, well, then why don't I just run to my Auntie Bridget's house? <laughs> and then she's like, okay, well, you have to ask her. And so I asked, I asked her and she said, I would love that if you did that. Mm. And so that next year we planned it all out and we said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to run to your house in honor of all the MMIW." And we are going to raise money. We're going to raise awareness to this epidemic across all of Canada. And for the past five years, we did that. Um, we we did that annual run, and it's uh, 134 kilometers from Gatineau, Quebec, where Kelly Morriso was um, found murdered with a seven-month pregnant baby, and. We decided we're gonna start here and we're gonna run to my Auntie bridgets house in Kitagon z b
1: so and how how uh when does this annual event take place what, what... April and may around those times yeah. um so it's not a specific date,
2: yeah, so okay, um, I know last year we had it on mother's Day oh yeah. in in may, yeah, and um yeah, um, so is it just you taking part or has that expanded now it it's expanded. There are um, many different people that come out to show their support and say, you know, I've been affected and I want to I want to come here and uh, walk with you. Mm. And that means a lot to me Mm -hmm. because, you know, being able to have started something and now people are coming and saying, I want to take part. That means a lot to me.
1: Mm. Well, congratulations on that. So, Thelon, the other thing is that you uh, are the youngest uh, recipient of uh, an Inspire Award that you received under Culture, Heritage, and Spirituality of its 25-year history.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I was so honored and humbled to have been given such a gift and to be one of the laureates mm. who are going to have their name throughout history. Mm-hmm. You know, among so many amazing, talented people, being able to be the youngest Inspire Award mm. Laureate, mm. that means a lot because I can show the many different young people what they can look up to, you know, the different people that they can be. Mm. And I I I know me personally, I, I, I want to be so many people, but I have to remember that it's good to be myself sometimes. Mm. Be happy and be proud of who I am, be proud of my culture, and just keep on moving forward like my auntie says. You
1: now, I'd like to... Just go back there for a second. You said you'd like to be so many people. What do you mean by that? For me, there's so, like my mom, right? She's got different
2: gifts and abilities and talents that I don't have, Mm. right? And I want to, I want to be, I want to be kind of like my mom, right? I want to be able to, you know, be that awesome parent, you know? Mm -hmm. Be that awesome parent that's always there for you because, even in my history, there's so many different generations where they didn't have their parents. Even in my mom's generation, mm. so for her to be there by my side all the time, it means a lot to me.
1: Well, I think you just made your mom very happy by saying that. So I'm sure yeah. she's happy to hear that. Now, uh, the the other thing though is that you're you're not uh, you were in, involved with some other things. I want to go back to 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 say that you were involved with the the residential school survivors in Ottawa. Uh, in in 2008, as well as in the closing of 2015, mm-hmm. in drumming, in the drumming aspect. of Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, I think just sharing our voice and sharing our songs, especially as young Indigenous youth, you know, that's how we're reclaiming our our power, reclaiming our our culture, and we're uh, reclaiming our our nation and our <clears throat> our 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 our, our with each other. Mm. You know, and um, you know, I think just being able to have participated at such an event, you know, with those, uh, those many different people who I've been affected and to share my voice with them. You know, I've had people who came up to me after and said, thank you for sharing your songs. It mm-hmm. means a lot to me.
1: Now you live in Ottawa, you go to school in Ottawa, uh, you're in high school. Right? Yeah. 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 Grade 11 at okay. Maryville High School. And, uh, what, what
2: plans do you have after you graduate? I'm still working that part out. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, I think there's uh, many different things that um, I could do after. And right now, just trying to see what my passions are and see what I enjoy and mm-hmm. hopefully turn that into a career.
1: Okay, so, so we know you like running because obviously you wouldn't do that <laughs> if you didn't and keep yourself in shape. You know, hoop dancing, grass dancing, you're busy with that. Dancing in uh, the powwow and hand drum singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, it, what else do you like to do in your spare time? Um
2: I I like to like be with my friends and be with uh, different family members because even just hearing like their stories um, of like their, their childhood, you know, the differences between then and now, Mm. you know, Mm. Um, I like to do that. Um, I think just being around, you know, like, like elders and hearing the different stories and even learning a little bit of my language, that that's what I really like to do because, Because, you know, there's, there's going to be a time where people probably have to count on my generation to continue that language and that our, our culture, right? Mm. So we're, we're, for me, I know I'm, I'm learning my language through song and dance. Mm.
1: Now, there's <coughs> just one other thing, of course, that you're involved with, which we haven't talked about, and that is the uh, Karis Blanket Exercise Program. Uh, tell me about how you got involved with that and what what is it you do?
2: Yeah, so my mother and I have been blanket exercise for Kairos. Um, we've been facilitators for them for about seven years now. And we have, uh, we've gone to many different places to share about the blanket exercise. Um, just a little bit of a description. Mm-hmm. The blanket exercise is about 500 years of history in 40 minutes. And basically what we do is we set down blankets on the ground, and the blankets are there to represent Turtle Island. Mm-hmm. And when the people step on, Uh, The participants, they are to take on the role as an indigenous person and to assume the role of an indigenous person. And uh, what we do is we are the facilitators. So there's going to be a narrator and a European. The narrator explains everything about the hoops or sorry, the narrator explains about the uh, the blankets, what they symbolize, and then throughout the story, we go through our history. So we go through residential school, sixty scoop, and then to uh, the present day. And the European is there to uh, come and take the land, and as the exercise goes on, the blankets get smaller and smaller to uh, equal representation of what the land is that we have today. Mm. And uh, that's basically a little bit about the blanket exercise.
1: You're a busy man, and uh, you're you're doing extremely well. So congratulations with everything that you're doing. And of course, we wish you all the best in the future. Uh, We certainly look forward to seeing you uh, in performance in many places. And I think you mentioned something about music, actually, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Um, that's definitely uh, coming soon working on some music but uh thank you so much david for having me and i really appreciate the time
1: it's been our pleasure i appreciate you sharing your stories and sharing all the things that you you are doing and uh, how you are also now uh becoming uh a bit of a uh of someone that other people can look up to and an inspiration for young people as well so congratulations and uh all the best on the tour Look forward to seeing you uh, there, maybe, and, and seeing what you're doing. And, you know, that whole thing with uh, the, the Me to We and the We Day, mm-hmm. uh, all about inspiring youth uh, all across, uh, I guess, internationally. It's an international event, right? Yeah, yeah. So, miigwech. Yeah. Oh, no, miigwech and wanishi for, for coming in and taking part. Oh, thank you.